Now that I am approaching 40, I have been using adaptogens to manage stress, lack of sleep, and cycle changes, especially during cold and flu season when the kids are up all throughout the night. I love supplementing with ashwagandha mid-morning to help my body manage stress or lack of sleep or even when we're traveling. I also love Vitex or Chasteberry. There is so much research on how it helps relieve PMS symptoms like headaches and mood changes and even cycle irregularities. And the only place I get adaptogen blends is from Organifi. They have clinical doses of adaptogen blends, and they make them in really good-tasting drinks. Adaptogens are herbs and functional mushrooms that help your body adapt to stress. Research shows adaptogens can balance cortisol, combat fatigue, enhance focus, ease depression and anxiety, and support proper hormone function. Organifi's Green Juice Blend has ashwagandha, and Harmony is perfect for you to take around your cycle if you're struggling with PMS or want to balance hormones. And new this month, Organifi just launched Kids Easy Greens. This is awesome for picky eaters or when you just want to supplement your kid's diet with superfood greens, micronutrients, and antioxidant-rich digestive and immune support. It's a nutrient-rich blend of veggies and superfoods with added probiotics and digestive enzymes. It tastes amazing, and you can just tell your kid it's juice. Support your body, energy, immunity, and stress with Organifi. Organifi takes pride in offering the best-tasting superfood products on the market at a price that works out to less than $3 a day. There are clinical doses of adaptogens, so you actually feel the difference. Go to Organifi.com forward slash well-fed and use code well-fed for 20% off. That's Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash well-fed. Use code well-fed for 20% off your entire order. You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome, friends. We are so happy you are here. This is episode number 458 of the Well-Fed Women podcast. I'm here with my co-host, Stephanie Ruper, founder of paleoforwomen.com, author of Sexy by Nature, all-around amazing human, PhD. Today, we have a variety of topics, including post-workout protein, how to stay disciplined with food choices, and does lemon water actually do anything? Like, why do people talk about it so much? So we're going to talk about that. Hi, Stefani. Hey. Good to see you again. What room are you in? Is this your room? No, I'm I'm staying with a friend currently. I um, I did, as I re- shared on our last call, I have signed a lease on a place, but I haven't moved in yet. So, yeah, it looks like a lot of I'm like, are those books? Are those DVDs? Oh, they're books. They're books. Okay. We're nerds here. These are books. (laughs) These are some of the books in this house. We actually, I just, I had to do some decluttering. We've had like, basically we moved into our house and we have this, everybody has this closet, this type of closet. It's just a coat closet, but it extends behind underneath the stairs. So that little extension point, I've just been like, throw it in there. And so old pillows and frames and because we've moved a lot. So like you got you get something. Oh, I'm going to put it on the wall. And then you move to your new space. And you're like, I don't have a place for this. Or like, oh, we changed our bedding. I don't need these pillows anymore. So I was like, I'm pulling it all out. I'm going to organize it. And I found a bunch of like old burned DVDs. Of my husband's in a classic CD case. 
girl. It was like the the CD case you used to have in your car, you know, like the big chunky one where you'd flip through. You keep flipping to find a CD to play in the car. It's that. And it had a bunch of DVDs in it. And I was like, and then we had even as of like maybe five or six years ago, we bought a few DVDs. And I was like, can we just get rid of these? Like, we're like, we don't have a DVD player. When are we ever going to like take a disc out and like play a movie? <laughs> so we got rid of them. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I haven't seen a DVD in a very long time. It's been a while. It's been a minute. And gosh, man, you thought those things weren't going anywhere. Mm, How the world turns. Um, I have a fun fact that I don't know if you know. I was listening to a podcast. This is about B vitamins, B12 in particular. Yes, let's talk about B vitamins. She made a comment that as you age, she thinks everybody should be supplementing with B12 as you get older, especially after perimenopause, because as you age, your body's ability to digest and absorb B12 drastically declines, which I thought was super interesting. I don't know how that, like if the literature is actually looking at healthy individuals who are eating high quality grass-fed meats, foods rich in B12, if that is still a thing, because we all we know how as people age, they eat less protein overall and a lot of people eat less meat, which we should actually be eating more. So I don't know if it was like that people group, but it's kind of a well-known fact that our ability to absorb B12 declines. I'm curious, do you know what specific mechanism that is because like is it because people's methylation pathways their liver is declining you know i just i think a lot of our capacities statistically speaking decrease with age and of course like there's a part of that that's inevitable but also a lot of what we see when we look at the population of things decreasing with age is because people just aren't taking care of themselves you know, I so I think it's a little bit of both because I was looking into this and it said, you know, older adults who consume little to no animal protein are at increased risks for these deficiencies, which, by the way, is the reason I stopped being vegetarian for so long. I realized just how many nutrient deficiencies, uh, first of all, wasn't serving me. Um, I, it definitely like I was at my unhealthiest. But then I started really realizing diving into holistic nutrition, and realizing just how this it didn't serve you at all long term. So like that's one of those things, but there's also I think probably a decline in how in our digestion overall. So like a a decline in enzyme function and stomach acid production, all of those things that basically we need to help digest protein rich foods or animal rich protein that's rich in B12. It's that's what my thinking would be, and that's what that's what the literature is saying. But it's also saying that diet, you know, changes in diet as we age can lead to that deficiency. So yeah, that's very interesting. It's very cool. Yeah. So I'm taking B vitamins, but we also, we spoke in our last podcast about supplements and also there can become points where a supplement stops serving you or you help restore a deficiency and then taking more of it would not be ideal. Right. So or you want to have a higher dose earlier on and then taper off over time. So when I first started taking B vitamins, a higher dose, I was like, yeah, this is great. And now I've sort of titrated it down and I'm still like. It's still helping me, 
But I think if I were continuing to take the high amounts, I would be having still that like hyper energetic, can't sleep at night. Like I could be overdoing it is what I'm saying, because I think I really do. I have been deficient and I need to. The thing about B vitamins is they perform certain roles in your body, like in an immediate basis. Right. But they also help keep up neuronal health via a whole bunch of ways, like it's nerve health, period. And if your nerve health has deteriorated throughout your life, then you need to make sure that you're always having a sufficient amount of B vitamin intake so that you can continue to repair nerves, right? So I need to make sure that I continue to have a steady supply of B vitamins and also ones that my body can use because I have the the MTHFR stuff. So anyway, supplement amounts is is very interesting and you can sometimes meet a need and then titrate down uh, appropriately. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I learned that is very interesting is that we often say that the methyl form of B12 is the one that everybody should be taking. But as it turns out, depending on your genetics, uh, there's another form called active B12. It's often called active B12 and it comes in the form of hydroxocobalamin as opposed to uh, methylcobalamin. And apparently this is, now I don't understand the science behind it. So I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to explain it to you, but I read it on a website and it seemed trustworthy. <laughs> <laughs> lots of research, lots of links, but you know, so the, the methyl form is like immediately usable for, in a, in a lot of uh, ways, but also depending on how your body can absorb based on the different kinds of mutations that you might have. Um, anyway, it's all just like a whole bunch of rabbit holes. When I was taking a methyl, and this is completely anecdotal, huge warning, completely anecdotal. When I was taking um, a methyl B12 and methylated folate, so nine and 12, uh, I was getting headaches if I took too much. And I've since switched to this active form of B12 and I'm not getting headaches anymore. Mm. Yeah, which is interesting. So anyway, I'm working on repairing my neurons. I don't know. I'm still quite light sensitive, but I've also started working in a co-working space with like bright lights. There's always a ton of variables. We're all on the way, but I'm uh, I'm really excited. I, I think that this is, I am definitely, one thing I am doing on B vitamins is sleeping better than I ever have, um, which is great. It's yeah. Super, yeah. Interesting. You, you need B6 for magnesium and B6. Yeah. And some yeah. other stuff to get together in your brain to make GABA. And GABA is the, like, the primary thing you need in order to help your brain calm down ever. I'm also realizing, quick quick aside or like very long aside, depending on if you want to pick it up and carry it. It's We don't know possibilities for how to feel unless we felt that way. I often talk to people about this in terms of relationships, like people who grow up fighting or seeing models of relationships where you fight, like you don't know how healthy a relationship can be until until you're in a healthier relationship. And similarly, we don't know possibilities for how we can feel unless we've felt that way before. And as I am walking into relaxing and slowing down, I the more and more I do this, the more and more I look back on my life and I'm like, I was stressed (laughs) a lot, very a lot in so many different ways. And the more I walk down this path, the more I keep looking at the me who kept being like, wow, I'm more peaceful now. 
as being like, well, wow, she still wasn't there. And I am 100% certain that I'm going to keep walking and being like, wow, Steph, like even me two weeks ago was a basket case compared to how I am now. And I'm so excited about continuing to walk this, but like tiredness feels different to me than it ever has in my entire life. Because I think because of the B vitamins, but I had no idea that tiredness could feel this way because I never, I never experienced it before. Right. And so the, all of which is to say, you can't, you are empowered to explore registers of feeling that are more peaceful or more energetic or more anything that you think might be out there for you. Yeah. There's, there's literally no way until you try to open that door and then step through it. So you look back and you, you're seeing your life and you're like, wow, I was stressed. What is different now? How can you look back and say, oh, wow, like, what were you stressing about that you don't stress about now? And how did you get yourself out of that stress? Because the number one question we get is like, how do I, how do I get myself, how do I manage my stress better? How do I stress less? Yeah, well, it's really funny because I've been doing this for 15 years, basically, is I keep having a realization. I remember the first time I realized success wasn't going to make me happy. And I was that was 15 years ago. And I keep relearning that lesson over and over and over again. And every time I learn it, I learn it a little bit better. And I think we learn our best lessons when we experience something and have a concrete feeling about it. And unfortunately, and that's, it's, that's why the wisdom of the ages falls on deaf ears. Youth can't hear it because they just haven't experienced it. Right. So people could tell me all day long, like, Oh, you're beautiful. Oh, you're it doesn't matter. Oh, be at peace. Oh, you don't need to control so much. But like, I wasn't, I wasn't going to hear it until I went through it, you know, and I'm not telling everybody you need to go through a lot of stress rather do your best to walk out of stress. And then, and and you'll see, you know, it has all been progressively. I mean, for me, everybody's different. I have had to heal my body. This thing with the B vitamins feels very powerful for helping me modulate my stress and my nervous system. and. That's key, but also feeling safe in my physical environment, like getting sun exposure. (laughs) Basics, yeah. Living with people who make me feel comfortable and safe and at home, building community. Health is so multidimensional, but when we come at it from all of those angles and the little bits come together, like our, our organism just like, you know, you, 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 you add one little piece to the puzzle and you, I think more than anything, like we are organisms that long to feel like we're at home. That's how I think about us. And when I try to gauge something that I add to my life or that I change in my life, does this help me feel more at home? And that means like picking a physical home (laughs) and that means picking a job. And that means picking the people in my life. And the more I feel at home, the more my body goes, and I think in retrospect, that's really obvious. And that's a fantastic, I think maybe this is the most important element of me walking out of stress is using that question as my decision-making question. Does this, because home is safety at the end of the day, you know, and trying really hard not to chase things that are shiny don't help me feel at home. Same thing about being in my body, you know, like does eating this meal help me feel at home? You know, just wearing these 
clothes? Does letting my body look the way it's going to look? Like, did these things help me feel at home? Yes. You know, and, and so it's all just sort of, but that means that I have to let go of and do a lot of intentional work around all these idols and all these dreams that I was chasing that I thought would satisfy me, but wouldn't. Yeah. So <laughs> thank you. Sorry. There's my, I'm thank you for your thoughts for today. <laughs> thank you for your thoughts. I'm out. <laughs> so B vitamins. So I find that all very interesting. I was looking at B12 a little bit more and it's interesting because they actually said vitamin D12 deficiency can actually contribute to age related cognitive decline too. Yeah. So I mean, co- cognition is, and I will also say, and I placebo effect maybe all day long. <laughs> this is going to sound hysterical. I feel like my ideas are better. <laughs> Thank you. But, but, but I mean, yeah. And I'm also, I'm always fighting headaches and and I think, I think I've carried like an edge of brain fog for ages. Okay. Well, let's jump into questions. Let's. Okay. Question number one is from Liz. She says, I keep hearing different things about if it's needed to consume protein 30 to 60 minutes after working out to build muscle. One side is yes, we need it within an hour after or for better absorption. Is that true at all? That our muscles will absorb the nutrients better? That doesn't make sense to me as I don't believe the food can digest and break down that fast. The other side is that It's more about the overall protein we have in our system throughout the day, saying that the protein is in our system and can be used to build muscle. But what if we work out fasted in the morning? Is there less protein at that point and therefore we need it within 30 to 60 minutes? (laughs) Yeah, so I just I just talked a whole bunch. And while I have thoughts on this, I know Noelle is better on the particular science of this. So I'm going to pass it. I will say that in these conversations with Noelle about protein, and post-workout food, I have in recent weeks been more intentional about eating protein after. You have been influenced. Yes. I have been influenced by Noelle. Noelle is a successful influencer with at least one data point, and it is me. <laughs> by the way, that was our text strand. She was like, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I'm like, you have been influenced. So, <laughs> welcome. Last week. I have been looking for a hair growth serum for the better part of five years now. And I have finally found one and I convinced them to give you 20% off. Ever since I had two babies back to back, my hair just hasn't been the same. I dealt with what seemed like unusually large amounts of hair loss in the shower for the better part of two years postpartum. And ever since then, my hair has been much thinner. I also noticed it occasionally during more stressful times. And it just seems like now... I'm much more prone to it when life gets crazy. I have been on the search for a clean, peptide-rich hair serum for quite some time. Nothing fit the bill for me. I even thought about making my own. But then I found Divi, which is a scalp serum that improves the appearance of breakage, nourishes hair follicles, and removes product and oil buildup. It has copper tripeptide 1, caffeine, tea tree oil, amino acids, and hyaluronic acid. It has all of the science-backed ingredients I want and none of the unsafe ingredients I don't. Hair loss actually affects over 80 million Americans and using a hair serum like Divi is great for people who have hair shedding because you're postpartum or you're going through menopause or you're under stress, but it's also a great preventative treatment because it helps remove product buildup and oil, heals dry scalp, and helps to nourish the scalp and hair. And let me tell you, Divi is so lightweight. You would not even know you have it on your scalp. I put the little drops on at night before I go to bed and I wake up 
And it's like nothing happened. It's magic. Because some serums that I tried made my hair look oily. This does not at all. Take back control of your hair and scalp health and do it with clean, science-backed ingredients with a special offer for you all in the Well-Fed Women community. Go to DiviOfficial.com forward slash well-fed or enter well-fed at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's Divi, D-I-V-I, official.com forward slash well-fed for 20% off your first order. So here's the thing. Here's what happened. And it's not about you digesting food faster or better. It is about insulin sensitivity. When you are lifting weights, your muscles are breaking down. They are primed to absorb the substrates that it needs to initiate muscle protein synthesis to repair and to build back and to become stronger. And so you want your body to have the resources that it needs to initiate muscle protein synthesis as quickly as possible after you work out. This importance was noted. It had been researched for a while within sports nutrition. Then some other nutrition, Evidence came out that said it's actually not about what you eat right after, but that you have the food available in your body to and the protein and all that to initiate muscle protein synthesis. For example, if you were to work out, eat dinner, well, let's just say you ate lunch, you had a little snack, and then you went and worked out, you don't need to be like pounding protein and carbohydrate right after your workout because your body has what it needs. So that was validated in the literature. It's not really about the window. It's more about what do you have available? Specifically, what have you had available in the last 24 hours to you so that your body can initiate all the things and you can repair muscle and get stronger and get bigger muscles? That's what people want, right? We want we want to get stronger. We want to lift more. We want more muscle definition. I think that most women in general can benefit from a post-workout meal, eating within 30 to 60 minutes. There is very little research done on the female physiology, specifically when it comes to exercise physiology. And I think that for most women, eating within 30 to 60 minutes is, is pretty important. We actually, not only does, you know, we initiate all these processes when we strength train and work out and lift weights, we also are cortisol is uh, goes up and eating actually helps bring down our cortisol levels. So for women in particular, I think it's really important. I think, and let me just preface this too, if you are fasted, you're waking up in the morning and you're doing a workout, I, look, I am team. I know there's a big movement right now that says you need to wake up and eat a ton of food and then work out. Don't work out before you eat. You have to do what's right for your body. I actually get up. I got up this morning. I did all my exercises. I did a quick 20-minute lift. I immediately had my element and my amino acids and my eggs and all of that right after I finished because I was hungry, but also I knew that that's important. If I were to eat beforehand, it would really mess up my digestion. I've tried it you know, for 15 plus years, and this is what works for me, and it feels great, and I don't have any insulin issues, cortisol issues. I don't have any thyroid issues, adrenal, none of that. Okay. So you have to do what works for you and you have to understand what am I about to do and do I need food for that? Because if you're going to be doing an endurance run, yes, you do need to eat something small and then be eating on your run. If you're about to do a really high intensity hour long CrossFit workout, you should probably consider taking some aminos, drinking aminos, drinking some electrolytes, maybe taking a little bit of food to eat while you're doing your workout, if that's possible. 
If you are working out fasted in the morning, again, you have to decide if that's right for you, depending on your adrenal health and, you know, all the, the signs and symptoms of your body, hormonal function of your body. If you need to eat a little small snack before you work out, that's up to you to decide. I do not, and it's fine. But if you work out in the morning and you haven't had a breakfast, you need to eat eat very quickly after you work out. Your body, and that's kind of was the caveat with this literature, is that if you've fasted, you know, 12 plus hours overnight and you've worked out, your body does need the substrate pretty quickly, protein and glucose pretty quickly after you've worked out so that it can lower cortisol and it can start initiate. You can take advantage of that more insulin. Your muscles are more insulin sensitive and you can immediately start to initiate muscle protein synthesis and recover better, recover better, get stronger, get better muscle definition. That is what we all want. Um, so I would I would highly suggest taking advantage of that, especially if you've been training, if you're training in the morning and then you're eating right afterwards and make sure that it's rich in protein and that you're taking your aminos if you can. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that that really tracks with my experience. I think the cortisol thing is really important. I work out when I wake up almost every single day and I love it. I look at my weights before I go to bed. I'm like, I can't wait to pick you up in the morning because <laughs> <laughs> the dopamine feels so good. And I have historically been in a rhythm of working out and then having coffee and start eating slowly, but it, I stayed energetic if I didn't eat much because I got this big cortisol bump early in the day. The problem is, however, that because I started the day with such a big like spike, what goes up must come down. <laughs> and so anytime I ate a meal that was just like a reasonable size, I would crash. <laughs> and so what I have done in recent weeks is a part of my journey slowing down. I don't have to wake up and go so hard on the dopamine and the external sources of dopamine and the manufactured sources of dopamine because I am relaxing into my existence and helping myself come home. And so what I am doing is being really intentional about smoothing out that energy curve. Something that's really, really important to me right now is trying to feel good and energetic throughout the whole day. I, I want to I want to have consistent energy. It's that's something I'm really excited about building more of. And I think that it starts with like the the big spike early in the day is fine, but it's not sustainable. Like, I mean, felt fine, but it's not sustainable day to day or for the long term. And so, yeah, working out in the morning and then eating is new for me. I texted Noelle. I was like, whoa, I just ate breakfast. <laughs> just ate breakfast. I had protein and I don't feel hungry and I have energy. I have been influenced. <laughs> so yeah. So anyway, all of which is to say that tracks with my experience. Huzzah. Huzzah. It's been a while. It's been a minute. Yeah. That's an oldie. Howdy and huzzah. Question number two is from Elizabeth. She says, how do you stay disciplined with food choices when you know they make you feel bad? I know that desserts and bread make me feel tired and bloated, yet I can't stay away. I know exactly how I need to eat to feel and perform my best, but I can't stay away. How do I stop consuming these things? That's her question. 
I see. Oh, okay. Uh, Sorry, those are my notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought the notes were in her question. I was like, wow. Like, and my notes are specifically like, here's what intuitive eating says. Here's what the conventional approach says. And here's what's somewhere in between, which is, you know, there's there's a lot of answers to this. You, you're going to hear our opinions. And obviously that's why you're writing in. But there's a lot of different opinions to this. And there's a lot of different ways to hack it. And I just think sometimes it's really hard to figure out what's what's right for for you. And, and yeah, so. Really tricky. This is one of the more common questions and themes that we deal with. You know, yeah. how, do, how, do, how do I walk? How do I walk this line? I think for me, it's it takes getting really familiar with human psychology and our own personal psychology. And the example that I have used on this podcast maybe dozens of times now is if I tell you not to think about polar bears right now, what are you going to think about? Everybody's Everybody's thinking about polar bears. And so the more I tell myself not to do something, there are things in my life that I like could tell myself not to do, period. For example, wake up in the morning and work out and fast. (laughs) But I know that forbidding myself something and thinking about the more time I spend thinking about how much I shouldn't do something, the more I really want to do it. And that's that's so basic. Anytime we tell ourselves we can't have something or the world tells us we can't have something, the, the more mental energy you give to something, the more power it has. And you can think of it as like walking paths in your brain. I always picture, actually, you know that Robert Frost poem about paths diverging in a yellow wood? I picture in my head mental paths as like a forest with the the leaves turning yellow. And it comes from this poem 20 years ago when I first read it. When I, I, I picture myself when I am thinking habitual thoughts, that every time I think that thought, I am walking down that path again. And you know how paths in the woods are carved out by people walking them over and over again, right? And then they get bigger and then there's a lot of people walking the path. I know now there's it's just you, but you know what I mean? Like the grass wears down, the weeds on the edge wear down, everything wears down. Like paths get well-trodden and then they get easier and they get, they get smoother. And that is exactly how the brain works. Like the more, the brain is a, they call it plastic is the scientific word. Like it's constantly shifting, growing, changing. It's a, I mean, it's an organism, it's it's us, but it's it's constantly in flux and always being directed in, in large, it's it's like a it's rushing forward with all of the habits that have happened to it. And it's like performing its habits. And what do we have? Personally, all right. And this is like, here's my metaphysics and my theory of free will. Like I think our free will lies in our attention. And where do we put our attention? That is the power we have because our thoughts are habituated to a degree and they are conditioned by what we've thought before. Like we tend to think in patterns that we've thought before and we tend to feel in patterns that we've thought before. And that's just because those are the pathways in our brains that have been built, that have been trod, that have been lubricated. But you do have the ability to pivot your attention a little bit. And so for me, when it comes to food and other kinds of choices, I like to have guidelines in my head. These are foods that don't make me feel good that I don't want to have all the time. And that as you said it and then I forget it. And and that's just like it's it and and I forget it and I put my attention somewhere else. 
And when a decision to eat food comes along, I don't belabor it. I don't sit and fuss. I don't dwell on what I want to have or don't have. I try to make a quick decision. And and this happens for me a lot in things, whereas if I can get like kind of mentally stuck on something, and if I'm mentally stuck on a food, right? So I'm going to make a decision whether I'm going to have like, I don't know, kale or ice cream, let's say, for example. And it's like, oh yeah, kale, obviously, because that's a healthy thing and I'm just not going to overthink it. But if for some reason I start overthinking it and I start dwelling on the ice cream thing, I'm going to go ahead and have the ice cream because I know that the dwelling is creating, it's making this path stronger in my head and it's making my emotional attachment to this food stronger and my feeling of needing to feel stronger. And so if I start getting hooked on this if I can feel it kind of growing in my head that it's an idea that is like, oh no, I can't have that food. Then I have it, at least a little bit of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, yeah. fine. And then I, I think that that's, I think that that's really important. A part of the psychology of goal setting for me is knowing where I want to go, but never dwelling on all the effort it might take to get there or is currently taking me to get there. And I keep steering in that direction. But if if something happens that's going to challenge my willpower or make me like reinforce the power of that thing, then I'll let myself have it and be like, okay, cool. You know, fine. It's totally fine. I'm human. It, that's a thing. And I'm just going to keep moving forward on the same path that I was. This is a uh, thought that I don't think I've previously shared addressing this question on this podcast, but it's it's something that I've been thinking about a lot recently, you know, in terms of these habits and this habit I have of like always moving really, really fast. You know, like just pause, <laughs> just pause and then just think about the power you have with with your attention and direct it, but like lovingly towards yourself because you do have patterns of thought and feeling and actions that trigger instinctive feelings and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And then there's there's other things that I like to lean into. You know, I, I do at base know that I choose these foods because they're good for my mental health, because they're good for my brain, because they're good for my physical health. Because for me, like being able to think is my job and I need to eat to support my ability to think and to be healthy and all that kind of stuff. It's all really, really important to me. And so I choose these foods for those reasons. I also think health is holistic and happiness is important and not resisting ourselves sometimes is like really important. And so, yeah, like Nothing, none, none of that has to be perfect. I had a beignet yesterday. It was delicious. It was my first beignet ever. So yay. You know, I'm like, and that and that was cool. And that was like at a co-working lunch. And that's just like, cool. Like, that's not something I even think about as something to worry about. So anyway, yeah. some thoughts about attention. No, that's good. I think that if you've had a history of dieting and morality with food and all that kind of stuff, it's just a lifelong journey. It's a lifelong journey to figure out you know, how can I do this very thing that I need to do every day to stay alive, but also not get totally wrapped up in it and be controlled by it or let my thoughts, you know, just constantly surround what I should or shouldn't eat or am I making the right decision or is this the intuitive decision? And so it's okay. It's okay if you're still figuring it out. It's okay if it's still if you're still making decisions that you don't quite understand, if you're still eating foods that don't make you feel all that great, most people do that on a daily basis, let's be honest. And 
last week we talked or our last podcast that we did with Steph and I, we talked a little bit about how hyperpalatable foods do sort of change our brain chemistry. They actually turn off regulatory processes. And I think that's pretty profound. So we have to remember that on one side. On the other side, I absolutely do hear that when you restrict something, that's all you think about. When you take something away and you say you can't have it, that's all you want to have. Now we've now we've elevated this food. We've given it power. We're saying, I can't have this. This is bad or it's not going to make me feel good. And now all we want to do is eat it. And so there can be some experimentation for you on what's the right approach. Do you say, I'm just going to have a bunch of bread and desserts in the house and eat it when I want and get to the point where I'm like, I don't want this anymore. It's not really what I thought it was. It's just I was giving it, you know, more power than it deserved because I'm telling myself it's bad because it doesn't make me feel good. Or can you maybe come up with some alternative solutions like, okay, this bread, maybe it has gluten in it. This bread, you know, I like the the bread. I like bread. I like toast. I like having that in the morning. What can we replace with that? So for example, maybe you can have a gluten-free sprouted toast that doesn't make you feel like crap. Maybe you can have desserts. You can bake your own oat flour cookies, <laughs> might I plug, from coconuts and kettlebells that make you feel really great. Because what I was finding is actually it's cassava flour. So first of all, try to pinpoint exactly what's doing it to you. Is it the gluten? Is it the cassava flour? Is it the starch? Is it the sugar? What What is it that's giving you maybe the bloating and the digestion issues? Remove that and then allow yourself to have the things that you like and enjoy to eat when you want to. So there are things that I eat that I am not going to give up, like dark chocolate. I'm just going to eat it every day. It's just going to be what I do. And, you know, I used to be a person who would eat muffins or eat breads and eat a lot of nuts and stuff like that. And once I found that that wasn't really serving me, I found alternatives and I have kind of rusted in this place of, okay, sprouted gluten-free toast. Awesome. In the morning with some coconut oil, a little salt is perfect. Put some avocado on top. I eat my eggs. It's wonderful. It's very fulfilling and satiating. Dessert has kind of been all over the place in my life. And now I know oat flour does really well with me. And sometimes I just want like a little, like maybe a bite of mint chocolate chip ice cream, as we've talked about here. Mint chocolate chip is life. And I maybe will have a bite or two. But over the years, and this has taken a long time, so don't expect that this is going to be your life in a while. But over the years, I just don't, I just don't care. Like, <laughs> like I love really good savory foods. I love the foods that make me feel good. And I just, you know, I can have a few bites of of mint chocolate chip ice cream, but it's kind of just, it is what it is. It's just food. And so I think we need to be open to having multiple different experiences, trying to figure out what works best for you and helping to regulate your mood and your relationship with food and, and get you to a healthy place where you can say, it's just food. Like, it is just food. If I eat some bread, okay, fine. Do I really want to feel bloated? Nah, so I'm going to stay away. Or I'm going to try something else that I like. Hmm, I want something sweet tonight. Can I maybe have some like dark chocolate? Or what about like 
just a bite of coconut milk ice cream or something like is that going to be like kind of like hit hit the thing is it the thing will it you know the intuitive eating thing where i really want something sweet and so i'm trying to find i'm trying to serve that need which is totally fine by the way i'm trying to serve that need without going the route of this thing that's going to make me sick not feel good and so you've got to experiment a little bit with that and maybe it is a little bit of what do I need to like not have around in the house? Or maybe it's what do I need to just keep in the house at all times and give myself exposure to it and then get over it? <laughs> Obviously, those are two very different ways of dealing with how can I stop eating? I can't stop. I can't stop. But you have to figure out what works for you. And I think it's okay to experiment. You're not doing anything wrong by engaging with that food. And you have to figure out why are this food have power over me? Why can I not stop? And how can I get to a place that I can? And also doing a little bit of, you know, how we talk and how we speak around food is really, really impactful. So saying, I can't have that, it's going to make me sick versus, hey, Elizabeth, you can have that. Do you really want it? Do you really want to not feel great? Was huge for me. And it can be huge for you as well, because I think maybe mentally you're still kind of saying it's not good for me. It's bad. I shouldn't have it. Whereas if you're saying, yeah, I've got bread in the house, I've got cake in the house, I have whatever cookies in the house. Do I how do how does that going to make me feel? And do I want to feel that way? And what can I have otherwise? Like, what's another option that's going to make me feel great and still going to fill the need? So hopefully that's helpful. Anything else from you about that? No. So let me be honest, I have been through the ringer in the last few months with both chronic pain in my shoulder and my back. Also, I scratched my cornea, flossing my daughter's teeth. It was a total freak accident. And I have never been more thankful for my sauna blanket and my blue blocking glasses. I wore them for about a week straight, the orange glasses, because I was so sensitive I couldn't see anything with my scratched cornea. So I was rotating between wearing my blue blocking glasses and like laying in the sauna trying to help my chronic pain. It, I've I've been a mess, but I'm so thankful for Bond Charge. They are a holistic wellness brand with a huge range of evidence-based products that I use every day, multiple times a day, from blue light blocking glasses to EMF management to their new infrared sauna blankets. Bond Charge has all of the high quality and effective products that you are looking for. I use the, the Bond Charge blue light blocking orange glasses every single night, starting right at bedtime. It makes such a huge difference if you're consistent with it. It makes such a huge difference in melatonin production. And then I wear the computer glasses when I'm looking at screens. And about a year ago, I invested in an infrared sauna blanket. It is super easy to set up. I just lay it on my bed, plug it in, heat it up, and climb in. It is that easy, and it does really help with muscle tension, and it reduces some of my chronic pain. I've also noticed a big shift in my soreness overall. So when I'm holding a lot of tension, when I'm holding a lot of soreness, it kind of just melts that all away. Ultimately, it's an incredible way to support your lymphatic system and detoxification too because it heats up your body internally and helps promote sweating. You will be relaxed and re-energized and recover better. So if you have been eyeing saunas, I could not recommend this blanket more and we have a deal for you that you will not find anywhere else. Go to Bond Charge, that's B-O-N, C-H-A-R-G-E dot com forward slash well-fed. Use the coupon code well-fed for 20% off. Again, that's bondcharge.com forward slash well-fed. 
Use the coupon code WELLFED to save 20%. That's $140 off your very own sauna blanket. Last question is about lemon water. This is from Liz. She says, does does lemon water in the morning help with digestion, gut issues, or get things moving as kind of an internal cleanse? Or can it be just water that helps? I asked because I saw another person ask about food sensitivities. I think she was talking about in relation to like our, hey, ask us questions. And I had lemon listed on mine as a moderate sensitivity. Very uh, interesting. If you have a sensitivity to something, uh, yeah, no, you don't, you don't, you don't have to worry that you're not drinking lemon water. Um, I would also, I'm very interested in, in the source of your information about it being a sensitivity. There are a whole bunch of different ways that we can judge our sensitivity to something. I think honestly, our personal experience is really high up there. There are different kinds of allergy tests or different kinds of diagnostics. I mean, some people like read some chart, they read on the internet about different kinds of body types, different body shapes or different kinds of blood types and different kinds of food sensitivities. Um, So uh, I don't just, for wherever that information has come from, I would lead with personal experience. Lemons, you can have allergic reactions to all sorts of things. Um, But uh, generally, generally speaking, you know, are not, are not super common things to have sensitivities to, but you may. So again, I would lead with personal experience. And does lemon water in the morning help with digestion? Does water in the morning help with digestion? I, yeah, no. Yes, no. It depends. If you're chronically dehydrated, will drinking water at any time in the day help you? Yes. <laughs> and I think maybe some people are chronically dehydrated. And so drinking water in the morning does help. But no, you hydrate in a way that's appropriate to you. I think a great way to hydrate is consistently throughout the day. I personally hydrate by drinking a large cup of coffee in the morning. And I know after I work out, that's not ideal. (laughs) Filter coffee, not not an espresso drink. But I am on tea now, herbal tea. My point being, water is important for hydration. Hydration is important for everything. But you don't need to drink a big glass when you wake up. I have never understood this. It blows. I just, I, I do not understand. Hydrating is important. If you feel thirsty, drink water. If you know that you're not going to drink water later in the day. Yeah. Start, start at that time. Cool. If you drink a lot of water the night before, you don't have to. Does adding water to lemon make it a super drink? No, I'm going to come down hard on this. I'm going to say no. It's like potassium in a, in a fizzy flavor. Like I just, no. Lemons have some vitamins in them but not a whole lot and squeezing it i just i don't i don't see it i don't see it i've never seen it the one thing that i have done before that has been really lovely for me is putting a little bit of salt and a little bit of lemon in water and it tastes really nice and it's a great way to hydrate lemons do have potassium in them which is a great way to get potassium into your water if it's complemented with sodium it will be more hydrating than drinking water alone so i would maybe consider doing that actually in the morning but that's for adding electrolytes to my water and that's like a digest that's like a directed purpose so this is my general no and my general no is at this weird cultural thing we have of like oh put lemon in your water and okay to me it feels like another one of those there's a collection of recommendations we like to make that are like very easy things that you can do changes that you can make that 
people or influencers will use to make promises. Yeah, right, right. That are, I'm just going to go ahead and say empty. Oh, yeah, just sprinkle a little bit of lemon in your water. and <laughs> Why? And then maybe people do end up getting more hydrated. I think there's a lot of placebo effect that goes into a lot of these things. An influencer says you do something and then you do it. And then you're like, oh, me too. It's great. And that's fine. Placebo effects are wonderful. I'm not knocking it. And hydrating is wonderful. I'm not knocking that either. But it's lemon water, celery water, like um, uh, what other kinds of things are there? Uh, Sometimes people say, oh, you have to drink cold water because the thermogenesis thing. Like, oh, just do this one little thing. And then, oh, if you have a lemon water in the morning, then when you eat your giant bowl of oatmeal, like your blood sugar response will be slightly better. Well, maybe, but like, <laughs> I actually don't think it will. And in, in these tiny little, oh, do this. I don't know. The whole focus, look, <laughs> hydrating is really important, but I don't know. We are like obsessed. We are obsessed with drinking water in this culture. And I don't understand. Do we need to we get off nerve, folks? I did not realize you were going to be so passionate about this. When I saw in the question, I was like, here we go. <laughs> Look, and like, okay, I'm going to say something that is probably going to offend a lot of people. So I'm going to go ahead and say it because apologies in advance. <laughs> okay, if this is like genuinely helpful for you, I'm not knocking it. All right, but like, I think I saw Noel has one of these, but like the just like the giant, like you don't need to carry around a two liter bottle. <laughs> I'm sorry. The giant thinks of water, and then sometimes they she's going to show me right now. It's not the biggest I've seen. They're often like twice that big. And then they find 25 ounces. You're not a fan of the Stanley, I'm assuming the Stanley Cup. No, and like. I, I think it's kind of cool. Sometimes they have like um, like hours of the day and you're supposed to drink a certain amount by hour of the day. And I think yeah. that is kind of cool because it keeps you consistently hydrating throughout the day and you want to like have a little bit at a time. I think that that makes sense. The body like hydrates a little bit at a time. And it's imp- being hydrated is really important. It's just, it's a thing. And I, I think I think the water bottle industry makes a lot of money Water bottles are so expensive. I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm so sorry for myself. Okay. okay. Um, let me address like, like, it. Sorry. Keep going. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. I think stuff like this, I, I really honestly, I'm, I'm so sorry, but I think a lot of these things are, and, and I'm not, this is a very important question. You know, and the question of hydrating and adding lemon, like it's very important. I'm not, I'm, I'm laughing at myself. I need you to understand, you know, Liz, like I, it, my, it's at the, the strength of response I have to, to our culture that, that can create a lot of perceptions and can make us question ourselves for reasons that, you know, we have, we don't need to. I do think that some of these things exist because, our culture wants to pivot our attention away from what we should be really paying attention to. Like, oh, if I drink lemon water, that's all that's, you know, then I don't need to put such a scrutinizing eye on the food industry that's out there hmm. using yeah, it's, me for its, it's disadvantage. It's a very easy hack. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. And they give you this and like, oh, well, drink lemon water. And then like, just don't pay attention to all this like horrible stuff that I'm putting in your food. Right. 
I'm so sorry to everybody for me. Yeah. That must have been in there for a long time. I haven't said that out loud ever. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So as far as lemon water, I did actually try to look at the research on this and say like, is this founded? And there's really nothing. It is literally just water with lemon added. Why? I think, Steph, you nailed it. Like, I really do think it's an easy tip and it's something you can put in a little pretty package with a bow and it's marketable. And if here's the deal, here's here's. okay, we have a society that is largely. Doesn't have a good intuition with what their body needs. They are not drinking any water. Their stomach acid is likely pretty suppressed. They are maybe not really taking in any fruits and vegetables. So telling somebody to drink water in the morning and put lemon in it and it's going to change their life actually be a positive health step because now you have somebody drinking water that maybe wasn't drinking water before. You have maybe a little bit of acidic support where there is very little stomach acid production. You have somebody who maybe hasn't really thought about their overall vitamin C intake or, you know, they're just they're not they're not getting those kind of nutrients. So now that they are. okay, so I think that there's probably some people out there that say, oh, I tried lemon water and it changed my life. And maybe they were in that situation where it comes. If you were to look this up on like, you know, whatever, WebMD or Healthline or something, it's actually kind of funny to me. But it's like, Seven reasons to start your day with lemon water. And the first one is like, it aids in digestion. Well, there's no research on it, but they're assuming that because it's slightly acidic and stomach acid, acid is what breaks down food. And a lot of people have suppressed stomach acid that it should help with digestion. So if you drink it with your food, maybe it'll help you digest your protein better. Uh, Helps you stay hydrated. I think Steph has already nailed that one. Most of us don't drink enough water. It really helps us stay hydrated. It's weight loss friendly. WTF. I don't understand this one, but people keep saying it's weight loss friendly because why? It helps you stay hydrated. Okay. That is really all that it does. I did find a study that talked about how lemon juice, but not tea, reduces the glycemic response to bread. This was not lemon water, but it was a sufficient dose of lemon juice. And that actually helped reduce circulating glucose in some way, shape, or another. And I'm really assuming it's just because of how the body handled the digestion better. There was better digestion overall. So that's it. I don't get up and drink a ton of water. So Steph doesn't have to get mad at me about that. I may wake up and take like a few sips of water, but I am a pretty heavy sweater. And I have always had to replenish my water pretty heavily. When I was pregnant and breastfeeding, it was nonstop. But I would say I probably have to refill my water bottle like three times, maybe four times throughout the day. Mostly I, I'm drinking a lot when I'm while I'm working out. And even when I'm doing just my exercises and like a 20-minute strength workout, I'm sweating pretty much. So I do have a really good sweat capacity. I will say taking element has helped me drink less. I used to just be like, like I just couldn't drink enough water and taking having mineral sufficiency and electrolyte sufficiency has really helped that. And I think that that could help a lot of people. And I just drink water. I just drink it whenever I'm thirsty. I used to, it's interesting. I used to have to, um, Steph, I used to have to bring like two water bottles with me whenever we would record two back to back. And now I don't even think I've 
I'm haven't even taken a sip of this while we've been recording because I just don't feel like I need it. And that's because I had my elements this morning and my electrolytes. So I think that just has made a huge difference for me. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> no, Steph. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Goodbye. <laughs> okay. So anything, get it out. Anything else from you? We're going to close this chapter. Honestly, I still, I still got it bubbling within me, but I'll take it out on, on my next call. So. Okay. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Steph. Thanks for being here. Thanks everybody for listening. We love spending time with you. We appreciate you guys sending in your questions for more from Steph, Stephanie Ruper on the Twitter, the X. For more from me, I'm still on Instagram at coconuts and kettlebells. Thanks for being here, guys. We will talk to you next week. <laughs>